Girl Camper is sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Get an RV policy quote by calling 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or going to progressive.com backslash RV. And go Little Guy Worldwide, whose full line of lightweight camping trailers are Girl Camper favorites. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit, and I'm a girl camper. I go places and I do things in my little 1966 Go Tag Along vintage travel trailer. Along the way, I meet many interesting people traveling the back roads, and I want to share their stories with you. We will talk about the qualities of what makes a girl camper and how you can become a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party, and you're invited. Stay tuned while I share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Welcome. I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, Blogger, Adventurist, and Podcaster. And this is Episode 51 of Girl Camper, the Podcast. Well, my guest today is Gary Perschel. Gary is the grandson of the founder of Scotty Trailers, John Ciro. Gary is here today to share all the memories he has growing up in the Ciro family and all the things that we have to look forward to with this iconic brand coming back. Stay tuned to hear an interview with Gary. Camper News Roundup is brought to you by Go Little Guy Worldwide. They are the maker of those beautiful tab and tag trailers, and they are a proud sponsor of the Girl Camper Podcast. They want you to get out on the road, and they want you to know that their lightweight towable trailers provide all the safety and security that girl campers want. In addition to that, I want to tell you that our next camper college is coming up. And that is going to be October 21st at Southland RV in Norcross, Georgia, just outside of the Atlanta metropolitan area. So if you would like to come to that, 5 p.m., all the girl campers are welcome. They're Mr. Sisters, their friends, their neighbors, anyone they want to bring. Looking forward to that. And we thank you, Brett, at Southland for that. So I want to say what a wonderful time we had at our What a Hoot event at Beaver Creek State Park in East Liverpool, Ohio. That park lived up to its beautiful reputation. Everything was wonderful, and I want to thank our camp host and co-host of this event, Gail Babel. And when I say co-host, I mean host, because all I did was put it on the meetup. Gail did such a wonderful time making everyone feel welcome at that park. We had the naturalist come out on Friday night, and we all took a hike with our flashlights up the mountain, and she called the owls, <laughs> and they did not answer. 
<laughs> so, but the funny thing is, we heard the owls all weekend long, just not when we were calling them. But I learned something really cool, and that is that the Autobahn Society has an app, and you can download the Autobahn app and call the owls where you live wherever, whenever you want. So you could go on and get the Audubon app, but first you need to find out what owls are in your area, and then you could just go out at night and play it on your iPhone. We used a little cube speaker to play it on, and the owls were going back and forth. We'd play it, and then the owls would talk. <laughs> so it was just wonderful. I always wanted to experience that um, call an owl thing. I hear a lot about it on trips where people are saying they went to call the owls. So that was so fun. And when I arrived there on Tuesday night and Gail was waiting for me, she was sweet enough to loan me her vintage Avion to sleep in since St. George was back in New Jersey. And it was very quiet at the campground. None of the girls had arrived yet, just Gail and Debbie and I, three of us. And I got there late. And so we went straight to bed. And I laid in that bed in that vintage avion, which it was so beautifully made up with the pillows and blankets. I felt so welcomed and treasured. And all I could hear were the owls going back and forth. I must have laid there an hour listening to them. What a wonderful way to fall asleep. So we also did enjoy visiting the Pioneer Village that was at Beaver Creek State Park. There was beautiful hiking trails there. We never did make it into the Hall China Factory or any of the museums or things we wanted to go to because we were having too much fun just visiting. And, you know, I talk about this sometimes on the show, the two different kinds of girl camper trips. Sometimes there's a trip in which you pay a larger fee and it's been organized months and months in advance and there's a theme and there's a party and there's the cheeseburger and paradise hats and DJs and goodie bags and prizes and all of that. And then there's just camping. And that's what we did last weekend and it was so much fun. The weather finally turned on Saturday night and we had such a nice chill and it was so great to be bundled up around the campfire. And Gail was sweet enough to get the movie the long, long trailer. And the officials at Beaver Creek State Park came over and put a fresh coat of white paint on their outdoor movie theater. And there we were Saturday night, all bundled up, watching the long, long trailer with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. And I haven't seen it in years. And it was just so funny and so sweet. So I want to thank all my girlfriends, all my girl campers who came out, and the Mr. Sisters who came with and were pitching in and having fun with us. It was a great weekend, and I'm happy to say so much fun was had that a vote was taken, and we're going to make that an annual girl camper outing. So if you've ever wanted to see Beaver Creek State Park and call the owls, we're going to do it again next year. But if you're anywhere near there, don't wait till next year because that is one beautiful park. I also want to say about that that I didn't mind at all the primitive camping. There are only outhouses there and an indoor shower in which you have to use a shower bag provided by our camp host, Gail. She gets up in the morning and fills those shower bags and hangs them in the sun. And I showered with that pulley system where I had to pull the bag up and hook it up and just let the water run out of it. And it was perfectly lovely and fine. So the primitive camping did not bother me at all. <laughs> so 
all all good news for what a wonderful thank you again, Gail. The next thing I want to tell you about on my Girl Camper agenda is I am heading down to Texas to Waxahachie, Texas, to take part in the Texas Lifestyle Collective event I told you about a couple weeks ago. That is right around the corner, and that event is really growing. They've got some great headliners uh, appearing at this. And what the whole event is about is it's an exclusive day. It's a one-day event where the Texas Collective Lifestyle Board brings together creative people from the home decor and culinary arts and fashion And these are people who are the trendsetters. They're the style makers. They're the ones who influence what you see in magazines. And they're coming together to inspire. And I feel privileged to be speaking with them. I'm going to be talking about the girl camping movement. And I'm also going to be debuting the Go RVing Girl Camper movie. (laughs) It is done, and I am told that I'm going to have it next Wednesday, and that's wonderful. So we're going to show it at that. We're going to be talking about stylizing our campers and the way we camp and all the different styles of girl camping, and it's going to be a fun event. So those tickets are available at the TexasLifestyleCollective.com page. It's available on their Facebook page. There will be a link on girlcamper.com. You can find them on my Facebook page, Camp Like a Girl. It's $50 for a whole day of inspiration. But if you're feeling like you really want to make it a great girlfriend day, you can pay $150 and go to the exclusive dinner with Eddie Ross, the Better Homes and Gardens East Coast Style Editor, Mary Emmerling, who is the author of 25 books on decorating, decor, fashion. She is an icon in the magazine industry, and she is the former editor of Country Home Magazine, which actually still comes out. It's no longer an ad magazine, but she still puts that beautiful magazine out quarterly. I buy it all the time. Mary Emmerling is going to be there. Carolyn Harper from House of Harper is going to be there. It's going to be a great day, and you can participate in that dinner at the Dove's Nest in downtown Waxahachie on the square. There's going to be food, shopping, all kinds of fun things. So that is taking place on October 6th, which is a Thursday, all day long in Waxahachie. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I will be there. And if any girl campers come, I would please ask you to find me because I bring you a little girl camper prize. (laughs) The other thing I want to tell you is when I leave Waxahachie, the very next day, October 7th, I'm on my way to the Pomona RV Show in Pomona, California. This is a mega show. All the mega shows seem to be happening. Hershey is a mega show, and the Elkhart, which is not open to the public, is a mega show. But the Pomona RV show is happening October 7th to the 17th, and I'm going to be there with Dylan RV. So if you would like to stop by there, we would love to see the girl campers and give you a t-shirt and have fun with you and show off all the beautiful trailers that they have there. So come by anytime. In that whole week, we have 10 days to be there. And I'm taking some gal pals with me. Susie Q, who many podcast listeners and followers have met at the Country Living Fair. And Susie's blog and Instagram is Be Back Home, Love Mom. Be Back Home Soon, Love Mom. So we will be there October 7th through 17th. 
And that's our news roundup today. I'll be back in a minute, and we have important things to talk about in our campfire chat today. Campfire Chat is brought to us today by Progressive Insurance. Our friends at Progressive want you to know that you can protect all of your stuff with their personal effects. With this optional coverage, they will replace any damaged, lost, or stolen personal items from in or around your RV. So call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com backslash RV today for more information. I did add that to my policy. So I want to talk today about something that's going on in the RV Family Travel Atlas Podcast Network family. (laughs) We're doing our very first initiative, and the initiative is this Tents for Troops project. So if you already listened to Stephanie and Jeremy last Friday, bring this all forward. You're going to have to listen to it again because this is too good to pass on. So what Tents for Troops is, it's a program designed to help active duty servicemen and their families get respite. They need time out. We've got these families and their servicemen, these servicemen are deployed for six to 12 months at a time. And that takes such a toll on a family. And when they get back home, they need downtime. They need to decompress. They need to sit around a campfire with their children. They need to be out there in that kind of capacity where all the noise is turned off. And we all who camp, we know that this is the place to do that. So Tents for Troops has come up with this plan in which they contacted all these campgrounds. This organization is a 501c3 They contacted all kinds of wonderful campgrounds who agreed to give these donated camping sites to servicemen, active duty servicemen. And we're trying to raise $10,000 to purchase an RV, which is going to go on one of the sites. So when these service people get a chance to get away with their families, they don't have to worry about tow vehicles, towing things. They're just going to come to that campground with their cooler and their picnic basket and their sleeping bags, and the trailer is already going to be there, and they're going to have a wonderful weekend. So the campgrounds have agreed to donate the sites for up to two nights. So it's two nights, and they're not blocking out weekends. So two nights except for holiday weekends, 4th of July, Memorial Day, and they could extend that if they wanted into the week, if they had the time. So we're trying to raise the money to put a camper on one of these sites. So Stephanie and Jeremy are involved in that aspect of it. There's three different sites out in the Pacific Northwest, and I hope to see this initiative spread across the country. Camp Taylor Campground, you know, one of our favorites, friend of Girl Campers, friend of the show, always helping us out with things. That's where we filmed our Go RVing movie. That uh, they have donated campsites. So a lot of campgrounds across the country have done this, but the hope is that we can raise enough money to put this camper on it. So here's what is happening. Stephanie started a GoFundMe page. GoFundMe.com, and I believe it's RVFTA 
slash tents for troops. But you'll be able to find it. The link is everywhere. It's on Stephanie's page, my page, or both of our Facebook pages. The, the link is out there. So what is going to happen is we want to raise $10,000. She put it out on Friday when their show came live. We've had 22 donations so far, which have led to $1,585. So we have a ways to go. I broke it all down, and if we got 168 people to donate just $50, we would make our goal. So I started thinking about how easily I waste $50. It's so easy. And, you know, when I stop and think about it, when when I was young and I my husband always worked late, and I, I hated to cook dinner if my husband wasn't coming home, and my sister said to me, you took the kids to McDonald's and spent 10 or $12 when you could have opened a can of tuna and put that 10 bucks in your cookie jar. And if you did that five times, you'd have $50. It's so easy to waste $50. And so I thought, how many nights a week do, how many times in a month do I say to Rick, hey, I don't feel like cooking. You want to run over to Chili's and get the, the special or whatever. And by the time we go over there, and if if he has a beer and I have a glass of wine and we both order something and we share a dessert, it's $50 by the time you tip someone. And I should just stay home and eat the can of tuna. <laughs> so there's all ways in which we really, you know, purchase a video game for the kids. A stop at Barnes & Noble is a guaranteed $50 for me. So I'm asking you to just think about whether or not you would like to take one of those things that you waste $50 on or when you're making a $50 purchase, it's something that's completely arbitrary, like something you don't need. It's a want. And see if you wouldn't like instead to put that money toward our troops. I feel like there's so much neglect of our servicemen. When I read these statistics about the amount of PT PTSD and the way we care for them when they get home, and that 22 service people a day commit suicide. We have to do a better job making them welcome when they get home and making sure their emotional needs are met. So I, I'm so happy to get behind this. My whole family is in the service. All my cousins, uh, my cousins have been through multiple tours of duty in Afghanistan. So it's just it's a wonderful thing for me to be able to support this, and I hope you can support it too. I'm going to give you an incentive just like Stephanie and Jeremy did. So if any Girl Camper podcast listeners donate $100, I'm going to send you a Girl Camper t-shirt. If you dig deep and you're really a blessed person and you're able to give $150, I'm going to send you the coveted Girl Camper coffee mug hand thrown by Ben Nelson in Davis, West Virginia. Very hard to come by. I only have about six of them left and Ben does not work fast. So I've placed the new order, but it's going to be a while before I have it in my hands. So I'm just sweetening the pot. I would love to see us get behind this. I'd love to see the whole RVFTA family raise this money, get that trailer out there. And then I'd really like to see Tents for Troops spread and across the country Camping is a wonderful way to heal. I'm glad to be part of any of this. So that's our news. I'm not going to stop talking about Tents for Troops until we raise our whole $10,000. And next week I'll come on and I'll tell you what we're up to right now. So as of today, $1,585. I'll provide the link in the show notes. And please be as generous as your budget allows you to be. I'll be back in a minute. 
Welcome, listeners. I am here with Gary Perschel, who is the grandson of the founder of the Ciro Scotty brand, John Ciro. That was your grandfather's that, name, right? That's correct. Well, Gary, welcome to the show. Well, it's so nice to see you, Janine. I was so excited when I saw you here. We're at the Elkhart Show, and we're debuting here with our uh, little guy company, the new Ciro Scotty. And Gary, your family lived this American dream. Your grandfather retired from the auto industry, and he built himself a travel trailer. And, and that turned into the iconic Scotty brand that you are representing, a representative of your family, bringing this band back brand back and I just want to hear all about it because yep. that is one piece of Americana that I think so many people would be interested in knowing about. Janine, you're right. It really it really is uh, neat to talk about it and it feels even better knowing that it's my, my family. But I, I definitely grew up in that um, arena where I saw my grandfather and uh, followed my grandfather around a lot and learned a lot by association listening to what he was doing. A uh, lot of great memories, and uh, no question that a lot of the values that, that I have and hold dear today are because of, of him and my father both. Mm -hmm. I was so blessed with uh, great parents and grandparents. Oh, you're a lucky man. I, I really am. I think the world would be a much better place if everybody had that, right? That's so true, and I, yeah. and I, I think you're absolutely right. That's uh, Not having that in today's uh, in environment makes it much harder for the younger kids. So let's go back in time and just start at the beginning. Your is your John Ciro was your mother's father, right? Is that correct? Yes. And so your grandma and grandpa, maternal grandparents, tell me, um, tell me about them as a couple. You know. Well, they, they were they were the the old fashioned um, uh, parent, well, parents and grandparents that lived together, worked together, traveled, vacation together. They were a family. Uh, complete and uh, my grandfather and grandmother uh, worked the car business from the uh, really from the 30s through 1955 so when they got married they started in the auto industry yeah when they well when my grandfather uh, married um, he was coming out of the mining industry and, and didn't want to stay in the mining industry so actually started auto repair and had a gas station and auto repair mm -hmm. business and now, what year would this have been well that would have been in um, that would have been in uh, 1927. Wow. Yeah, 1927. And um, from the auto repair business, it, it was easy to see the advantage of being auto sales. So he got started in the auto sales business in Irwin, Pennsylvania. And uh, his hometown of Harmony, PA, was uh, where he had a, a store and uh, had two stores in the area, selling cars and fixing cars and uh, I remember him telling me he used to make house calls with cars. He knew who was interested, and he he would laugh and tell me he remembers knocking on a preacher's door on a Sunday afternoon to show him a car. Oh, which, did he did he get the boot? I, I don't think he got a sale. But it's just that he never he never quit trying, and he was always uh, he's a, a worker bee, a workaholic, a workaholic, yeah. I should say. But What's no, he, your grandmother? What was her name? Her name was Anne. So John and Ann Ciro, John and Ann Ciro, they were a real team, huh? A real team. Um, as we talked earlier, you know, they, they, a six dollar check to the gas company that I have in my in my museum uh, is signed by both of them individually. So they were they were hands on, and at the end of the day, uh, they were they were tired. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. But, but they vacationed together, and uh, they liked to camp and fish and enjoy the outdoors. So they were very outdoor people. Definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, and it, camping in those days wasn't the comfort level that we not, know. <laughs> nothing, nothing like today, not at all. And uh, when I look at some of the photographs of where they went, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it was a different time completely. Yeah. And uh, so, so together, your your grandfather got a little gas station going and an auto repair, and he went from there and started selling cars. Did he, what happened from there? Well, they, they were in the car business, and I think what happened going into the 50s and, 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 and late 50s, I think he saw that the bigger dealers were getting bigger. Because he owned a car dealership. He had then. a dealership at that time, has, has already sold the, uh, the, the gas station, and, and right now they are just dealing with uh, new and used car sales and parts and service. Okay. And uh, what's, what, what, what I love so much about the, the family, the Sarah family, is there were four brothers all in business together, and surprisingly, two brothers had a restaurant, one brother had a mobile home RV sales, Oh wow! and across the street was my grandfather with car business, oh. and they were within view of each other. Oh, what a close all, family. All four brothers working their, their pretty much their entire lives in that area, and I know for a fact on every Saturday, because I would be hanging with my grandfather on a Saturday, they would sit down in the restaurant, and they would sit down and eat. And there was never any hard feelings on anything. They always got along, oh, and they made sure of, they made sure of that. And that was something very important. They were never to argue or, or, or to have a disagreement over something family related. Oh, and how they, nice! And they made sure that happened. And in the and, and in the end, there, and I still have this menu, a menu from the restaurant, oh. actually featured a picture of each brother's business on the bottom. <laughs> And in between, there was a line that says, I stole this from Sarah's Diner. It's called Sarah's <laughs> Diner. So it, it's just funny how they stuck together through thick and thin. Yeah. And uh, hard to find that today, you know, in, oh, with brothers in business that would oh, be yeah. so close. Oh, yeah, it's true. But after the car business, my grandfather, uh, being the outdoorsman that he was, um, always a, a hands-on uh, tinkerer. So when my grandfather retired in, in 1955 from the car business, he would, he would have been 53 years old. That's young. Yes. And uh, he was uh, an outdoorsman in all his life and uh, decided he wanted to spend some time camping and fishing and doing some things with his friends. So he built uh, a teardrop trailer. He built a teardrop trailer uh, in his barn in Irwin, Pennsylvania, and quickly found out that a friend of his wanted one and another buddy wanted one. And he saw, he saw, the, he saw the, um, the business side of this and, and realized that there was... Uh, business to be conducted here so he did he must have been so geared in his mind toward a business yes it always was the consummate business guy and with a car background too right so having the car background going into the rv industry is a unique fit because the the car industry and the and the rv industry are kind of a brother sister relationship oh yeah and and still to a bit that way today i would say so initially he built teardrop tailors the kind that um would have been in like the back of popular mechanics that yeah well really the similar very similar what uh little guys doing today okay uh, with with their products do you still have that trailer does your family have that original teardrop he built as a matter of fact we we have that trailer and others and and in particular that teardrop trailer was donated to the RV Hall of Fame right here in Elkhart, Indiana. Oh, I didn't know that. So it's on display. And in fact, I was just so over. So I've been in that museum, so I'll have to go back and look. You will see the Scotty uh, 10-foot teardrop alongside of a 12-foot model. There's actually two Scotties on display oh, neat. in the uh, RV Hall of Fame. We also have donated other units to uh, other museums throughout the country, Harrisburg and, and Washington, D.C.
So he built that first teardrop, and then a friend wanted them, and another friend. And, 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 so he, and he realized, and he realized that you know he can't be building and marketing trailers out of a barn. And, and I remember him have, telling me the story one time that he was a bit embarrassed to be building these trailers out of a barn, but he realized there was a business for them. Mm-hmm. And my father uh, was just recently married to my mother, and uh, he was coming out of the. Um, he had a family grocery a corner grocery store business in McKee's Rocks <laughs> in Pittsburgh and, and saw the uh, saw the unique opportunity with the RV business. And back then, RVs were typically marketed through mobile home dealers and even car dealers back, okay. in, back in the early days. So my father was a busy guy on the road to being a salesman. And in 1950, uh, 1958, they would have opened up uh, a small factory just two miles from my grandfather's home in Irwin along the Pennsylvania Turnpike, opened up a small factory and started building uh, uh, those products and, and hit a home run uh, right after that with a 13-foot Scotty. Now this, okay, this so been, he did he build the teardrops? He was building the teardrop and, and, and realized that the teardrop was an okay product, as was the rear door 12-footer, but it wasn't just enough business and was looking for a hot product, something to really come out of the woods with. And it was a 13-footer, which is a, a front dinette, rear sofa bed, mm-hmm. step-down floor. It was only 10-foot long inside, mm-hmm. 13 feet with a hitch. Okay. And neat. it was that model. And I have, um, I have lots of uh, photos of that prototype uh, that was the, the, the main product that really got the business going at the factory level. Now, was your grandmother involved in this? I would imagine she had some influence to take it up in size. You know what she she did. She was very involved in, in many ways, uh, and I know that um, uh, she uh, was instrumental with um, with interiors and and, and such. Mm-hmm. But the thirteen footer was stretched to a fifteen footer, and later went to an eighteen footer. Oh wow! And for the longest time in the sixties, those three models made up all the business uh, for the company. So how successful was it from the beginning? Was it really successful in those days? No, I, I would say not. It was a slow grow. I mean, it, it's, okay. it, it was something that got started in a small in a small way, a grassroots effort. But, you know, you get a dealer in one spot, a dealer in another spot, and it starts to compound. And were these the aqua and white that we see now, this classic, Scotty? That's really a great question. Yeah, it, what had happened in the early models in the, in the 50s uh, were were typically mill finish aluminum. And that would be a, a, just a, the natural color of the aluminum, okay. which is very shiny and bright. Yeah. And uh, that was because they didn't have uh, paint sprayers wide enough. It wasn't until the 1959 and 60 that they were able to buy pre-finished enamel-baked aluminum oh. that they could then put a color out. So I, I always I always tell the story that, that, that God must be a Scotty fan because why else would a Scotty trailer be blue and white, just like the sky? But the sky is blue and white, and, and obviously I think God likes Scotty, but that's just a joke. Uh, but, well, well, let's stop here for a minute. How did it get the name Scotty? You know, the, the Scotty... It's zero Scotty, so did your grandma have a Scotty dog? You know, I wish I could tell you that's the case. I wish I could tell you that they raised Scotty dogs, but they didn't, and it was a long time that before... That would be such a good story. It was a long time before <laughs> we even had a mascot. But no, the Scotty dog is is, is really a, a function of it being a small, unique dog, as mm-hmm. the trailer was back okay. then. Okay. Because most trailers back then were very large and very top-heavy and bulky, yeah. where the Scotty trailer tended to be very low-profile. With a step-down floor, it was garageable. 
and it was something that was very lightweight and easy to tow. Okay. So the, the Scotty dog, and along with the name, Cero, was mm -hmm. two S's, and it just, I think... Uh, Alliteration. It looked good. It yeah. looked good on a decal. Yeah, okay. So the Cero Scotty was born. And uh, what's so nice about that is the um, going into the 60s, it was really a go-go time for the camping industry. Mm -hmm. So manufacturers were, independents were popping up all over, and, and camping was well underway, and, and there was all types of RVs in the 60s and the go-go 70s. Mm -hmm. Uh, so up and through uh, 72 would have been their banner year where they had um, the Irwin Pennsylvania factory they had Ashburn Georgia uh, su supplying the south and they had Bristow Oklahoma so at so one point there were three they, factories they had, building. had three factories uh, up until 72 and how many were they building per year in those three factories well, I, I, I don't have those numbers exactly yeah. but, but it's it's easy to tell you that you know they were building several thousand uh, trailers you know, a year out of each plant, and they were distributing them throughout the United States. So, uh, 1973 came along, and the oil embargo kind of rocked the industry, but it, oh. but, it but it made a comeback into the you know several years later it came back, and of course we know how that went within you know the this, the, the remaining uh, years that came along. But the um, the Scotty brand was born, and uh, it was it was designed to be uh, every man's camper. It was very well priced. It was lightweight. It was easy mm -hmm. to tow. He didn't need to have anything special. In fact, my grandfather always always prided himself on the fact that all he needed was a two-inch hitch ball, mm -hmm. no electric brake controller. He didn't need electric brakes because it just wasn't that heavy. And that was always his argument. Uh, he was very instrumental in Harrisburg, being a part of the PRVCA. Uh, he was instrumental in getting uh, uh, laws enacted in Harrisburg that, are, that still hold true today. Uh, with regard to some registrations and such. So now when when your grandfather was doing this, his retirement job became a full-time job again, and then your father came on full-time. What was your dad's job? Well, my father came in My father came in on the early going. In fact, he, he was there whenever they were still mill-finished color on the outside mm -hmm. in the late 50s, and he was a sales manager. Oh, So neat. So what he had was he had my father's sales manager. He had a production manager and a purchasing manager. And just like today, that's that's all you need to run a factory. Okay. So that's what they were doing. And, and the labor force was local? Local labor force. and uh, uh, Were they ever built by the Amish, like so many are now? You know what? We were not in an Amish area. Yeah, because you were southwestern PA? Yes, we are yeah. southwestern PA, uh, closer to Pittsburgh. And we unfortunately did not have that group uh, because the Amish uh, folks are such good uh, cabinet uh, craftsmen. craftsmen. They certainly are, and they're very good at what they do. With wood. But, you know, back in the day, uh, boys came out of high school with skill sets that were careers. Mm -hmm. You know, you came out of high school with wood shop one, two, three, and four under your belt. And right. you could go to a factory and work there your whole life. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't have been hard to find the skilled labor for that kind of job as it would be now. Yes, I would agree with you. And today... And then the market today is Elkhart County, Indiana. If you're going to be in the RV manufacturing business, you really need to be in Elkhart County, Indiana because of the suppliers and the labor right. force. So in its heyday, uh, how many um, family members worked there? Well, it, what had happened um, uh, with with my family, I, I had uh, two sisters. I have a younger and an older sister. And my younger sister uh, became very interested in the business uh, in the late 80s where we were developing a, um, a fire safety training trailer for uh, Alcoa Aluminum. And uh, when she was available to come to work at the factory, 
I had asked her to handle that project and she did a phenomenal job with bringing that product to market and really taking it to much higher levels than I ever had it. So, so, so our factory consisted of, uh, of a motorized production line in the uh, early 90s, okay. a motorized production line and a trailer production line. What kind of trailers were you making then? Well, in the 90s, we would have been building uh, a line of, um, uh, of camper trailers that was pretty much the uh, self-contained 15-footer to a 32-footer mm -hmm. travel trailer. And then we built a 20 to a 29-foot motorhome. Okay. And then we had the fire safety training trailer that my sister was So you were evolving. As a company, you were evolving. When did your grandfather quit working there? Well, I, I have the most incredible photograph of my grandfather. Um, to answer your question, he, he stopped really working there after my grandmother had passed in 74. Oh, okay. And, and it was just uh, a different time for him. And, and my pictures kind of stopped then, too. I, I, have, I, I have such a, a gold mine with photographs he took over all the years. But when 74 and 75 came around, there were hardly any pictures. And it was pretty clear that you know he was not interested as much. He lost his love. Because and, he lost... Yeah. He lost my grandmother, and they were just inseparable, and, and they're really is a game changer. Yeah. So, so I, I, but I, he never left the business to, in that regard. I mean, and whenever I got involved, you know, he was he was really happy to see it going on to the next generation. So, did you always work there <clears throat> yourself, Gary? Well, I started there. I started there in nineteen would have been nineteen eighty three, is when I started, uh, and it wasn't wasn't really full time till eighty seven. But uh, what I mean by that is I was I was involved, but I was involved at different levels, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a good learning experience to really learn the business because they they had me as a kid. I worked in the in the cabinet shop. I worked in the shell department. I worked in loading. I did transportation. Yeah, I, I did mm -hmm. dealer calls. So I, I had such a broad view of how the business worked, and really an invaluable lesson to yeah. learn because I wasn't doing one thing. So. In 87, when I got involved, <clears throat> and my sister came along, which would have been like in, in just a couple of years after that, and probably in 90, there is a photograph of my grandfather in the middle and, and, and myself to his right and my sister to the left. Uh, and we were picking out fabrics and, and we were posing for the camera yeah. that, that did a newspaper article. And the article basically said, <clears throat> that isn't an unusual that, uh, and, and, and rare these days, to find uh, generations continuing the family business yeah. and it was that kind of an article yeah and uh, uh, and it was and I have it hanging in my wall it's one of my my prized uh, photographs especially at a time where we you know we get good news we get bad news and my sister was recently diagnosed with a class four uh, pancreatic and liver cancer oh so, so sorry so to hear her, that yeah her life has changed uh, oh, completely. this is your sister who developed the yes. fire yes. Um, and she which my children have been in at safety things Safety yes. town in our town, and you have to go through. So your sister had a hand in developing that. Oh yeah, that. well we we got that started with Elko in '87, and like I say, when she took over that project, she took it to much higher levels. Oh, I'm so than sorry I could to get hear that. To. Yeah, and she has a viable business. In fact, that's what she's doing right now. She okay. still runs that business wow. separate from what we were doing. And uh, my point is that um, you know your family life, has stuck together. Well, but but you know life is so precious, and I know that. You know, when when bad news comes along like that, it really is a game changer. And I know right now that she has her business and her family, mm -hmm. and, and 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 to worry about and be concerned with. So it has changed, and we're and we're hoping for a miracle. 
There's always, you know what? I, I totally believe this. We're always one prayer away from a miracle. Oh, and sometimes so. the miracle is the peace of mind God gives us, and sometimes it's the actual miracle, but yeah. we never. <laughs> yeah, we need her and we want her there. Oh, of course. Hoping. Yeah, we certainly oh, hope so. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm, you know, I look at what your family did, and you went along here and. Um, you were building trailers. Your sister had this wonderful idea that she was working so hard on. You were building the motor and we, and homes. We, and we had a, we had two full production lines running on, on April 17th, when 1997, when we had a fire and we lost that entire structure. So that was your last open factory? Yes. And that was in Pennsylvania? Yes. And so... You, so we lost the we lost our. Do you know what caused it? Or? We have an idea. We have an idea what it was, but you know, you, you really don't know. Yeah. Definitely, but we know where it came from, and uh, we we know how the, the nature of the, the the fire and such. But uh, it was on the, the fire marshal said it was an electrical in nature, but it came out of our cat office mm -hmm. where you have a lot of paper, and it could have been a coffee pot left on. We just don't yeah. Know. You just don't. You know. don't know, but we we know that that's what uh, where it came from, and it started there, and we lost it, and it was such a complete gut. We by losing every print, every jig, it was just it would require us to uh, reverse engineer those products to go back into the business. So everything you had that you used to develop these trailers was lost in the fire. Yes. And so reverse production would be that you would have to take a trailer and disassemble it yes. and make all the yes. new templates in yes. order to rebuild. Exactly. Was there ever consideration to do that? Definitely. In fact, in fact, the, the argument that the board had was um, I was in favor of, of, of coming to Elkhart County, Indiana, believe it or not, yeah. and starting here. Oh, okay. But they, they the board, uh, wanted to stay in Pennsylvania. But in, in today's business climate, it makes more sense to be in Elkhart County because yeah. of the suppliers and the labor force. Yeah. So, so for that reason, we, we, we couldn't uh, make that decision. So, so spin, it, uh, spin it to 2017, where we are here today. Well, let's go back because there was a little period of time in there where in 2010 or so, Somebody made Ciro Scotties again. What happened there? Well, that's true. We we had a we had a, a an excellent uh, a businessman come along, Bill Carolla, with the idea of uh, of relaunching the Scotty product and wanting to develop the the sales for uh, small travel trailers, and uh, good intentions and, and and I think a good business plan, and it was a copy of the original thirteen foot, the fifteen foot, the eighteen footer, which were which were good floor plans for us. Uh, I just think that um, we the, the the side the side of getting the the production up and having uh, dealers distribute them on a nationwide basis it didn't happen it stayed it tended to be more regional okay and while all that production got sold it pretty much got sold by just a couple of dealers okay it it, it, it wasn't it wasn't the view that that that's being taken today by Little Guy, where they're looking at a hundred dealers to distribute the product rather than just a right. handful. So tell us about Little Guy. Here you are, and you're thinking this thing is dead in the water, and here they yeah. come. Well, what's funny? I, I met I met Joe Kikos many years ago uh, through the same person, Bill Carolla, mm -hmm. and and I and who I, had built them earlier. In, yes, in 2010. And, I, and, and that's how I met Joe, and and. That really didn't get to know Joe uh, all that well until more recent years, yeah. but when uh, Joe came to us and, and and said he had an idea for uh, bigger travel trailers and that he was interested in, in taking the next step with his product, okay, it, it boy the lights went on and it sure made a lot of sense and yeah. and and after uh, much discussion and having uh, Joe come out and see us and sit down and and looking over um, uh, lots of photographs and, and talking about the business, 
Uh, they say sometimes the best deals are the quick deals. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't talk to a lot of accountants and attorneys. We just uh, put together a reasonable deal, and uh, it was a quick deal, and it was a good deal. And I think that the re- relationship and the partnership with Little Guy is an excellent fit. Yeah. Because of the nature of what they're building right now and selling right, right now, from the smallest motorcycle trailer. Yeah. Up to the larger tabs. Well, they know how to build trailers. Well, they sure do. <laughs> and, and and then they go to the more of the mainstream Scotty product that we that you're seeing here today. Yeah, and I think I talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago because I think a lot of people were very disappointed that the iconic Scotty little travel trailer that we all love so much wasn't what rolled out at Hershey and at Elkhart here. But it's coming. It's coming. That's right. We're. Uh, how much fun are you having, Gary? Just. Being out there again, doing this in your family business. You know what? It, it was a, a wonderful time at Hershey. There's no question. But but today here at the Elkhart, where where it's mostly well, it is all dealers. Dealers. It's dealers only. It was such a refreshing uh, day to meet some of the people that I knew back 20 years ago. Wow. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've I've seen uh, Daryl Sear from Dometic. Yeah. I've seen Bud and Karen from Camper Care. Yeah. I see R.R. Uh, R. Anderson from Topeka, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, Larry McLean's group was, was through. These are all ex-Scotty folks that knew my father and my grandfather. The, the, I mean, the, the one guy uh, with Dometic, they had taken my grandfather and father over to Sweden for a Dometic factory tour. Uh, when da- with Daryl? Yeah, with Daryl Sear. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. So, so it's so, it's so, uh, it's so uh, interesting and uh what goes and, around and, comes around. And emotional, too, because I sure wish that my father and grandfather were here to witness the same. Yes. You know, because they would have really... When did you lose your grandfather? 1998. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and my father today is not well, um, but I know that he's he's well enough to know where I'm at, and I've sent him pictures Aww. to my mother, and, yeah. I know, and he's asking questions. He wants yeah. to know what's going on. I sent him a picture of R.R. R. Anderson, which is someone that he knew. Okay. And he wanted to know who that person was. And, oh, and I, how and fun. I, I'm gonna, I plan to talk to him later. So, so when you're not helping out Chris and Joe here, rebuilding the family brand, which, I mean, it, it it's like it just popped to the surface again. It was never far below the surface, you no, know. No. I mean, it's... And it seemed, and it seems so natural. It, oh, yes, it absolutely does. What do you do for a living um, when you're not promoting your family you know, business. You know what? I, I, I have to credit my, my father and grandfather for instilling those RV camping values because yeah. I, I own and operate a campground <laughs> in, in southwestern PA. Oh, how wonderful. And uh, I sure love it. So what's it. the name of your campground? Well, I, ironically, it's called Scottyland. <laughs> <laughs> because, now, did you start that campground no, or was no, it a family campground? No, it was, it was actually a, a, a... Part of the brand? It was That was really a, a, a part of the, my grandfather's view of, of what was next. Because when he was selling those Scotty campers, he thought he needs to have a place for all these Scotty campers to go. Yeah. So the idea of an exclusive campground was born on a farm in southwestern Pennsylvania, close to Seven Springs Ski Resort. That, I never um, knew there was a Scotty a Sc- campground. Scotty land, which was for exclusively the use of Scotty owners only. I've heard about this for Airstream. Airstream did this, does the same thing yeah. and has done the same thing. So my grandfather started that in 1962. And it was just a farm, and today we have um, my goodness, we have over five hundred sites and three hundred acres. And oh, this sounds like a, a great place a for large, a vintage trailer rally. It, it really it is. We'd love to have. Uh, have we got to get Terry Bone on again and talk We'd love about to have you yeah, out and show you what we can do because we have some beautiful territory, uh, either on a lake or on a river, 
Sounds well, like a girl camper destination, well, we Gary. To, we would love to have girl camper come out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we camp like girls. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, we're fine with that. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like so, so much fun. So I've, I've really enjoyed the RV lifestyle. Yeah. And getting to know uh, campers is, is some of the best uh, folks in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Good people that, that are we're watching out for each other. and uh, it's just, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a good time. It really is. Well, I and thank like, you for coming. And we hope Janine should bring your camper out and stay, spend a night with us. It's not a Scotty, but... Well, we're going to let you. Because <laughs> we're open to all brands. We're open. You're open to all brands yes. now. Well, I'm so glad you came on to share your grandfather's and your family story. To me, it's a story about entrepreneurism. It's about the American dream. When you think about your grandma and grandpa in 1927 starting out a life together, and yes. look what they built. They built something people are still using, still talking about, and still yeah. living on. It's yeah. amazing. And, and if they if they only knew what, what they had planted, the seed that they planted, how it would uh, be today, yeah. it would surely put a tear in their eye. Oh, I, I don't know. I think they're watching us, and they know. I think so, too. I hope so. <laughs> Gary, I can't wait to stay in touch with you and to follow all this exciting news that's going on well, here. Well, that'll be great. I look forward to it. Yeah, and well. I, I'm going to come over and camp at Scotty well, Land. We're going we're gonna to leave a light on for you. <laughs> okay, because you're good folks. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to thank my guest, Gary Perschel. And Gary, we'd like to let you know that we at the Girl Camper family are keeping you and your sweet sister, Anne, in our prayers. I'd also like to thank my sponsors, Go Little Guy Worldwide and Progressive Insurance, who has this tip for you. If you're traveling with your pet, make sure they're covered in case of an accident. Progressive's pet injury coverage protects your dogs and cats if they're in your vehicle and injured in an accident. And it's free if you already have collision coverage on your RV policy. So visit Progressive.com for more information. I'd also like to thank my producer, Stephanie Puglisi, not only for putting this show together every week, but for the initiative that she and Jeremy spearheaded to get those Tents for Troops going. We're very excited to be helping our servicemen by getting together the money we need to get an RV for them. So thank you, Stephanie and Jeremy, for that. Thank you for tuning in this week. We'll be back next week. Happy trails!